Right, so the new series that uh, Mark is referring to is the book of Ruth, and uh, it's part of our journey towards our new name. And by the way, if you want more information and you knew about why we're changing our name, come to the meet and greet. Um, we'd love to explain what God has been saying to us as a church, and the central theme to this new name of Redeemer Christian Church is the act of redemption. And if you're wanting to know what redemption means in Scripture, it means the deliverance from some evil by the payment of a price. And I'm going to ask Kath de Clark to come up and read a, a fairly large portion of Scripture, simply because you're going to be listening to my voice quite a lot. But the book of Ruth, it is beautiful. It's a personal story of a family. And you will see in the reading this morning of why in their lives, and we will see in, this, in the sermon today, why in our lives, do we need a redeemer? So, Catherine, won't you please come up? She's one of our deaconesses. Looking forward to hearing you read God's word. Uh, Ruth 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The names of the one was Orpah, and the names of the other Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb, that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything, but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Friends, the book of Ruth comes after a devastating book called Judges. I don't know if you've read it recently. I did preparing for the series, and I encourage you to read what was happening in the nation of Israel in the time of Ruth. 
But uh, Ruth is this beautiful relief as you're reading your Bible because it shows that God is not just interested in the nations and the God of the big picture. He's interested in individual stories. He's interested in families. He's interested in plight and suffering and pain. And if you were listening to Kath read this morning, you would have heard that the Bible, unlike other self-help books, unlike other books that tend to create a reality of positivity alone, doesn't shrink back from personal trauma and pain. And friends, to be a Christian in this fallen world is to be one that experiences pain, disappointment, loss, and regret. And what I love about this book is it portrays the heart of a God who sees and moves towards people like you and me in in our individual stories that don't deserve it. And uh, we, we know a few things about this book that are, are helpful for us as we dive in. We know it was written in the time of King David, because at the end of the book you can see it's actually written as a sort of a prop-up for his kingship. But it means more than just King David and his lineage from this Lady Ruth, and you'll see in two weeks' time as Bryce unpacks Boaz. You will see that actually it is the way in the Old Testament, for us to see God's heart for the outsider being brought in. This lady, Ruth, was not born in Israel. She didn't know Israel's customs. She was actually born as part of the enemies of God, Moab, who hated the Israelites. And if you open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, like I did a few days ago, verse 5, you see that not only is it King David's line that Ruth is putting forward um, and his lineage, it's actually the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. If you read the book of Matthew, you see how it takes careful note of the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born of an enemy of God, Ruth, and that Ruth gets mentioned as being in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And so the heart of Ruth is a broad-heartedness of this God, Yahweh, this God who redeems by the blood of the Lamb. His name that was meant to be associated in Israel was when his people were caught in Egypt in sin and slavery. He raised the Passover lamb, and their faith in this Passover lamb redeemed them. There was a price paid to deliver them from that evil. And this book of Ruth is to saying, guys, it's not just for you, Israel. Every time the Israelites would open up and read Ruth, they would, they would be reminded that the people of God are not just a small clique but rather, uh, God has a heart to bring in outsiders into his people, people that don't deserve it, people that don't know him, and how even Jesus Christ's lineage seals it with Ruth being there in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. It is wonderful to see how broad-hearted this God of Israel is, even to nations that don't deserve him. But there's more. We see that God, in his providence, is able what seems to be from our human perspective going completely in the wrong direction. God, in beautiful detail, is able to show that when things are going wrong for us, actually, in God's eyes, they're going right. And today, I really resonate personally with this book of Ruth, and and I hope that you do, because it does feel like things in our lives don't often go the way we want or would have liked to have planned, And how as Christians, we have this God who is so sovereign and yet so loving that he is able to work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I do want to stress, Ruth is the Old Testament, Romans 8.28. Things are going badly, but actually God's working in them to produce good. And we need a message, don't we, church, of that in this time that we live in, right? 
It feels like the trajectory of things are getting further and further away of what we had hoped for. But friends, actually, Ruth tells us today, buckle down into the grace of God and His will for your life because they actually, as we do so, moving in His sovereign will. And out of it, God works such beauty out of brokenness. Now, it's my job to talk about why we need a Redeemer today. Uh, the preaching team's going to tackle this week by week, but it's my job to show you in the opening part of Ruth why this family needed redemption. Why somebody had to come into their context and pay a price that was costly to him to deliver them from their destitution and their embarrassment and shame. And friends, let's explore this together in my first point. Our need for a Redeemer, seen in this opening part of Ruth. In essence, we're going to look at the nature of sin today. When you look at the first five verses of Ruth, they tell you that what started out as a good plan ended out as a disastrous one. And uh, what we see happening is the author of Ruth tells us that this family's story is taking place in a context in the life of Israel that is quite disturbing. In the first verse of Ruth, you see in 1 verse 1, it says that this story of this family was happening in the time of the judges. And if you literally, if you got your Bibles open, just turn back to the end of Judges. You will see the very last verse in the book of Judges is this chilling phrase where the writer of Judges said, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Sound familiar? Can I just give you a quick praise here, a quick summary of how Judges describes the time of Israel that Ruth is taking place in. From Judges chapter 2, verse 16 to 19. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they hoard, okay, only the Bible uses that term, guys, all right, for, for they hoard after other gods and bow down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers. Going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them, they did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. And friends, this context influences the way this family thinks. I want to introduce the characters to you now. Elimelech, who is the father of this household, his wife Naomi, and their two sons Marlon and Chilion, uh, they are faced with a problem. There is a famine in the land. There is no food. And they have to decide how they're going to respond to this crisis in their life. And the irony is, if you look at the Hebrew, they stayed in the region of Bethlehem, which in Hebrew means house of bread. But there was none. It was supposed to be in this fertile plain. And uh, we see that because of this famine, this family is in crisis. He needs to provide food for his wife and two sons. And uh, they have to make a choice. Do they stay in the promised land of God, where God told them to stay, or do they abandon their place in God's people and in the land that they have been given as an inheritance until the end of time? Or do they head off to the nations around them where there seems to be food? 
And uh, Elimelech decides to abandon the property in which he lived and to go to the neighboring country of Moab and to go and find food there for his family. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm certainly sympathetic to the plight of Elimelech. I know as a parent and a husband, when things are not going well, the pressure to make wise decisions for your family. But we must remember that when we look at this moment of decision-making in Elimelech, we must look at it through the lens of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, which is a bit different to the New Covenant in which we live in. And the way that the writer portrays this decision is definitely trying to communicate to us that Elimelech made a choice, in actual fact, to no longer trust the God of Israel. By him deciding to leave this plot of land, he was directly going against the old covenant which said to these Israelites, this land is the land that I have chosen for you in perpetuity. This physical place is where my tabernacle is going to be. And if you're going to fulfill my law, you have to be present in this place to come to the tabernacle to offer sacrifices at least three times a year. In other words, to leave this physical place of the promised land was to, in a sense, abandon the worship of Yahweh, the God who had redeemed them by the blood of the Lamb. And this old covenant was not just a physical place of a land and a place of worship that you went to. It was also a people. This land was a people of Israel, and to be a part of the Israelites was a great honor. And you had to enter men through great pain called circumcision. If you wanted to join later, you had to think twice. But if you were a, a, a female, you had to take oaths to enter into this covenant with Yahweh, with the shedding of blood. And friends, this abandoning of God's people is seen as an abandoning of their place in God's worship and God's covenant people. And not only that, their decision for their sons to intermarry into the Moabite culture was forbidden by the law of Moses because marriage was seen to be allying to the very culture around them or the cultures around them, intermarriage, that God said, don't do that because they don't worship me. They'll take you away from me. And friends, Elimelech and his family, it's important to remember, was not going to a neutral country. Moab was not neutral to, towards this God of, called Yahweh. They hated Yahweh. If you read the story of how the Israelites left Egypt and were trying to get into the promised land, they approached Moab and they said, can we come through you? And instead of allowing them access, they rather sent out men to, to, to kill them, to, to fight them. And friends, there was deep enmity between the people of Moab and the people of God. And this culture was a God that ruled over it called Chemosh. He ordered for human sacrifices. They would offer up their children in human sacrifice to this God. It was in direct contrast to the ways and the precepts of the God of Israel. And, and so for all of these reasons, the author of Ruth is wanting you to see Elimelech's decision, not just through pragmatism, but actually through refusing to trust God. It was a turning of Elimelech's back on the promises of God, his law, his people, his ways, and him fleeing for refuge in a pagan culture, a foreign people, and foreign gods. And I say all of that to say, isn't it interesting that in Elimelech's life, he was simply playing out what was happening in the time of the judges, where he was doing what seemed good in his eyes alone. Do you know what the nature of sin is? Is to reject God's authority over your life. 
And there's many ways that authority comes to you. It can come through conscience. It can come through creation. It comes primarily through the Word of God that comes to your life. And friends, the way sin is unpacked in the book of Ruth is this heart that is expressed in Judges, that we do what seems right in our own eyes and without consideration for what is right in God's eyes. And can I say, this, this postmodernism that we live in if you've heard of that term, it's the philosophy that is characterizing 21st century Western thinking. Is no different to this thinking of, I will choose what seems right to me without any reference to any other authority. It comes through the sound waves of Netflix. It comes through the sound waves of social media. It comes through the sound waves of self-help books. Some of them have got good advice, by the way, but the fundamental premise is this. You alone are your God, and what you choose actually is up to you. And truth is not objective outside of yourself. Searching for truth is not an external event. Searching for truth is merely being shaped by what we feel is right for me. And friends, what we do is we tend to pick and choose just like those touches, just like Elimelech. When we know the revealed will of God when he speaks to us through our conscience, when he speaks to us through the revelation of himself through creation, that there is something bigger, that there is a law of nature because there is a lawgiver. When we live in this context of creation and conscience and in the revealed word of God, these things are self-evident that there is a higher power and authority which we are called to inquire and bend our knee to as the God of gods and King of kings. And might I just say humbly this morning, in my life and yours, as 21st century Christians, we are not immune to it. When I look at the church and I look at my own decision-making, without the Word of God checking it regularly, friends, I can sense a fusion of this philosophy of what is right in my own eyes ultimately being justified as best. And what Ruth does here is, and I just want to make a point, Ruth does not absent the Christian from suffering, all God's people suffered the famine. All God's people had to make a decision whether they're going to trust God or to leave. But friends, the choice of Elimelech in the book, book of Ruth is not neutral. It's not saying it was mere pragmatism. What we see is catastrophe hits this family, and it hits them instead of the community of God's people around them and the worship of God being there to comfort them. There, are, there is catastrophe striking them far from God's place and God's people. And friends, we see Elimelech dies, and Naomi now is without any, any, any uh, male covering, and she's left with her two sons, Marlon and Tillian. You can just think of saying, oh my word, I have to bury my husband outside of Israel. But she goes in her heart, well, maybe I've got my two sons still. Things are going okay. And then the very next thing happens, the sons get hit, and they die too. And this woman going from having a full basket of family and a hope and a future of food in a, in a foreign land, sure, is suddenly emptied. And friends, when we hear the death of male heirs and male representatives in the, of, 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 in the form of a husband, it is catastrophic for the woman. There are some here in this place that know the catastrophe of what it means to have to bury their own child. There are also some here that know the loss of a spouse. But friends, in their culture, the culture of that day, to not have a husband or sons was to have no defense mechanism, no voice, no representative. And in Israelite thinking, it was the end of the family line. 
it meant that that plot back in Bethlehem, which was there reserved for the household and descendants of Elimelech, which was reserved just for them, suddenly was vacant because there was no longer an heir to take and to till it. And friends, that concept in Israel was a form of great shame. It was disastrous. I'm sure in Naomi's mind she would have said, well, God, just take my life too. And Ruth tells us that this way of thinking, and in a sense abandoning confidence in the God of Israel, which we can call sin, friends, it leads to catastrophe. And I don't know if Naomi was a willing partner with her husband to go, but it does seem that she supported his decision. And in the end, they have trouble far from the people of God. And, and I, I want to just bring this home. Friends, I don't like talking about sin, but it's a reality, and it never pays. It might be enjoyable for a time, but Scripture says when we abandon the authority of God and His loving words towards us, there is no gain ultimately in this life or the next. And uh, there's a sense of tragedy at the end of this point in just first five verses of Ruth. And the story could have ended there. But what amazes me in verse 6 of chapter 1, this is what is the very next verse after verse 5. It says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard the fields of Moab, in the fields of Moab, that the Lord had visited his people and given them, back, given them food. Here we could have said for Naomi, oh well, you've made your bed sleep in it. Not so? We could have said, oh, well, better luck next time, Naomi. Friends, that's the story of our lives. We make these decisions and we make the bed. And if we're honest, we deserve to sleep in it. But there is this moment in verse 6 where out of nowhere, we don't know how this message got to her in the fields of Moab, but she heard that in the fields of Bethlehem back home, God had kept his promise to the people of God. And in God's faithfulness to his promise, he came to visit them in Bethlehem. And oh, suddenly she heard how God had kept his promise and that there was food back home. And she decides, I don't know how she got there, but she decides to go back. And my second point today is God's kindness leads us to repentance. I think to myself, Lord, how is it that this Naomi got to hear in a foreign land far off distant from your land and people, that you were keeping your promises to your people, that you were blessing the land that you had given to them as promise, that, that you had visited them with your very presence through your provision. And I marvel that somehow this lady in a hostile land gets to hear about the faithfulness of God to his people. It's beautiful. And this is what I want to talk about next. Friends, it does not matter ultimately how far you have wandered from God today. What matters is if you would listen to his voice. What those words shared this morning was profound. And she heard the word of what God was doing. And she had to make a choice. She goes, am I going to stay in this foreign land? Am I going to be like a Buddha and mark my own plan? Am I going to... Am I going to Keep going down this road 
Oh, I can humble myself and I can decide to change my mind about being immersed in this culture that I don't belong to, that these people I, I don't have any inheritance in, that are going after a direction and a God that I know not to be true and ultimately the God of creation. She had to make a decision. And in that moment, she made a wise one. She decided to turn around and go back home. And I, I want to encourage you this morning. Friends, the fact if you can hear God's word in your life today and you know that God has got your number and the direction that you're going in, man, it's not proving not only fruitful, it's against this God that is offering eternal blessing through his Redeemer, Jesus Christ. If, if you can hear his word, my friends, it is a grace gift to you, but you better put on your spiritual hearing aids. You better dial them up to full volume and you, then you better make a decision. is are you going to stay where you are in what you know is not pleasing to God, what is not right in His eyes? Or are you going to turn around and head back home? And repentance is simply that. Please listen to me carefully this morning. Is the goodness of God's Word finding your life, warning you, saying, this is not going to lead to what I intend for you. And then to make a decision between staying or returning. And the decision is not just merely saying, yes, God, I hear you, and staying in Moab. Friends, the decision of repentance is not just to change your mind, but to change the direction of your life. You see, the, the irony of the Old Testament picture is you cannot enjoy the blessings of Bethlehem if you stay in the land of Moab, right? You can't enjoy the... God visiting his people and experiencing the joy of his abundant blessing overflowing in him, keeping his promises. If you choose not to shelter under them, in actual fact, run away from them. And today, I want to encourage you. It is a picture of how God is saying to you this morning, my word is reaching your life. You come and stay where you belong, which is under my wings. Ruth has a, has a phrase that, that Boaz uses later. It says, you, it says to Ruth, you have come to shelter under the wings of Yahweh. And repentance is not just hearing, it is doing, it is leaving, it is saying, I am not going to enjoy the participation of what I knew wasn't pleasing, what, what I knew was not pleasing to God. You cannot enjoy sin and God at the same time. It doesn't work. And Naomi's recovery by coming under the shelter of the God of Israel really sets her up to experience the wonder of him working what was broken for good. And that leads me to my third point. My third point is this. God's kindness works all things for the good. I've read Ruth many times. I'll just share a few things that I saw that I hadn't seen before. Do you notice that the second she begins to turn and to go back to Bethlehem, and to come and shelter under the wings of God, the very first thing that happens, although she doesn't recognize it or celebrate it, is that her daughters-in-law that are left have to make a decision whether or not they're going to go with her. She had known these daughters-in-law for almost 10 years. Oh, dear. Okay. She'd known these daughters-in-law for 10 years. And she had claimed, clearly, to know that Yahweh is real. I don't think she totally abandoned her faith. I just think that she was compromised. But the second she decides to leave her hope in a culture and in a way of thinking in life that God could not condone, 
it forces her daughters-in-law to suddenly decide, am I going to go with this, this, this lady and worship the God of Israel, or am I going to stay and worship Moab and, and Chemosh, their God? And do you find, don't you find it interesting, and it's a reminder, that the second you start, God, you start taking God seriously, the people around you begin to notice. I was reading in Matthew 5 this week how Jesus says a city on a hill cannot be hidden. When you start to want to seek to follow the God of the Bible and his son, Jesus Christ, friends, people begin to notice. And this integrity that was forming in Naomi's life begins to speak to the daughters-in-law around him. And suddenly what had been a blur to these daughters-in-law suddenly go, wow, this is real for Naomi. She's leaving. Are we going to go with? And I, I want to remind you that Orpah doesn't. She goes back and, and Naomi says, go back with your, 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 your um, sister-in-law to her gods. But Ruth does. And for us, repentance can be a humbling thing. I, I'm very aware today, maybe you've lived in a certain way that your family have watched you or your colleagues have watched you. And suddenly you're going, you know, can I climb down from my pride and say, actually, I want to stop doing those things and start following the God of the Bible. I know how difficult it can be to backtrack on what you were enjoying and suddenly saying, you know what? This is not from the hand of God. And you start living differently. But it takes, there's a cost to it. There's a sense of reputation and awkwardness. And by Naomi saying, no, I worship one God. I live for one voice. I live for one group, one set of eyes only. This, this God of the Bible. Suddenly the people in her household begin to take her seriously. And it's, it's evidence that not everybody will follow you, but some might. Some might in your faith in this amazing God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some would follow. And Ruth does. You know, Naomi was never, have, never, was never meant to go to Moab. Do you know that? Never. And yet in her going, she meets Ruth. And even in her disobedience, God is able to work for the good. But he starts working powerfully in Naomi's life when she decides to return. My last point today, before I wrap up with the conclusion, is God's kindness enables repentance and faith. What is the difference between Naomi and Ruth? Naomi was repenting and returning to Yahweh. She had backslidden. She had decided to go in the opposite direction to which God was saying was good. But Ruth, Ruth was repenting and turning to faith in Yahweh for the first time. She was fleeing to the God of Naomi for refuge. And Ruth's decision was massive. Ruth had a family in Moab. She could have gone back to her mom and dad. She could have stuck to her familiar gods. She could have said, you know what? I'm not sure if I like this people. Will they receive me? Will they really take me in as being a sister in the faith? She had all these objections to not wanting to go with Naomi. But she says this in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. She says to Naomi, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. Ruth in that moment became part of the people of God. And she did it by having to forsake every other possible way of coming to faith in him. 
This god, Yahweh, couldn't be on a long list of other gods that she could add to Chemosh and all the other deities that Moab wrote about. It meant her leaving a kingdom that was not under the authority of God and coming under the rulership and reign of the God of heaven and earth and his people. It meant that she had to entrust her life to this God who redeems by the blood of the Lamb alone. And she does it with an oath. She swears to Naomi, Yahweh, do so to, more, do so to me or more if I break this, this covenant. She comes in with complete faith and surrender to the God of Naomi, this God of Israel. I have to ask you today, has this happened in your life? Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, this Yahweh, no one comes to him but through me. And it couldn't be a decision of staying in one world and hoping to gain favor in God's world. It couldn't be, I'm sort of in because my wife's in. I'm sort of in because my husband's in. I'm sort of in because my mom's putting a lot of pressure on me. I'm sort of in because, man, you know, my, my friends seem to be getting involved in this thing called church. Friends, those are all good starts, but that's not salvation. Salvation is being able to say, this Jesus Christ, this appointed Lamb of God, this Yahweh, has, he started off with a picture of a small lamb in Egypt that, that they had to slaughter and shelter under the blood to be delivered from Egypt. But, but that was just a foretaste of this great Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. He came, he bled, he died for you. And there's only one way today, not through your family, not through your friends, not through some religiosity, not even through some spirituality, but through the concrete person of Jesus Christ, where you look at this Jesus and his blood for you and you say, that's the way. And there's no other to find peace and find a place in the people of God. God's goodness maybe made you meet a Naomi in your life. Embrace it today. You know, when Ruth came into the family of Naomi, she didn't realize that behind it all, God was orchestrating all things to get her into his kingdom and family. And if you have a family member that's invited you today, maybe you have a spouse that's saying, I'm praying for you. I'm telling you about Jesus. Maybe you have a friend. Friends, these ways of friendships, which you didn't expect and are a bit awkward because they always seem to talk about a God that's real to them. Friends, they are a blessing in your life. What they're talking about is real to them because, man, he's revealed himself to them and he wants to do the same to you today. And you might say, well, I just want to mention Karen's word. You might say, oh my goodness, my shame is so great. To live in a human skin is to experience regret and brokenness. Nobody knows the secrets of your heart but God, and despite that, he says to you today, the way is open for you to come. But this is not a covenant of convenience, friends. It is a covenant of completeness. All of Christ is offering himself to you so that he may get all of you in return. And so I'll, I'll, I'll leave you today with my conclusion. Which, which character speaks to you most today, church? Is it Elimelech? I feel like Elimelech this morning facing a few famines. And we're under pressure. I just felt the, the thing that we need to be cognizant of as Christians in 21st century South Africa and, and globally in what we are facing. Friends, 
we are being hit on every side to conform to a world that increasingly, depending where you are, is moving away from where Christian, the Christian church had the monopoly. I don't understand entirely well, but I tell you, God is in it. And for us as Christians, if we aren't confident in the Word of God, please listen to me now. This was deeply on my heart. If you neglect your Bible, if you neglect what God is saying to you, friends, how are we going to stand? And you have to decide when the famine, before it hits, you might be in this now, and you might be experiencing the famine of finance, the famine of relationships where, let me tell you, any form of sexual gratification goes. Uh, staying before marriage for Christians is becoming increasingly normal. There are things that the Bible speaks directly into. Unless we decide we're going to say yes to, when the famine comes, we're not going to be ready. And today, I feel God wanting to say to you, church, and to the one who wants to come into the kingdom of God today and find refuge under the wings of Yahweh, you must believe his promises for you. But you have to know what they are before you can believe them. You have to decide, am I going to run to Moab or am I going to stay in Bethlehem? There might be a famine currently, but I know God has put me here. I know I'm in his will. I know his promises are speaking to me. And I know he says he will be faithful to the word that he has given me to trust. And I want to encourage us to not be like the Elimelechs that buckle under the pressure and the convenience of a world that doesn't think eternally. We can. We know where this is going. Our hope is set on a Christ that is coming back. And for a short period of time, it might be a bit uncomfortable. But the blessing of obedience is unparalleled to the short-term costs of sin. Jesus says in Matthew 7, it, it hit home at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says to his disciples, blessed are you. If you hear these words, he says, but you must now do them. Because if you do them, you'll be like a man that builds his house on the rock. If you don't, you're going to build your house on sand. And he says, when the storms come, and they will come, church, they're coming already. They're around the corner. They're knocking on your front door. If you do not build on the words of Jesus, then, friends, great will be the fall, it says, of the house. And for us, we, we have a certain, wonderful, solid ground. People might laugh at you. People might criticize you for what they think is foolish. Friends, let Ruth speak to your heart this morning that the blessing and visitation of God comes down upon faith in him keeping his word. Don't miss out. Maybe today you're Naomi. Can I say every Christian who's honest can say they've been like Naomi today. They have wandered far because of our own determination to have our way. And maybe today, you are far. I have another thing on my heart for you this morning. Some of you have been far from God's people for a long time. And you've learned to live in a culture, but in your heart, you can't seem to reconcile a place of clear conscience before God because you know this is where you belong. Can I appeal to you today to not stay in Moab but to come home to a God who is graciously finding you again today through his words. His love can go further than you think and can go into places which we can experience as being more ashamed of than what we would like to mention. Let me tell you, he's not intimidated by human failure. He wants to redeem it. He wants to take you in and say, it's okay, I can work all things for the good. And the reason why they're all things for the good is because we do things that are bad. And today, to come under the grace of God, 
to let him start to work afresh in your heart, friends, is not impossible. In actual fact, it's totally possible through your returning through Jesus Christ. But you must not stay in Moab. That's God's word to you today. You can't stay in a place that is far from God and expect him to bless it. What he's asking is faith. Faith is actually obedience, friends. Faith is translating the word of God into saying yes to him every day, even when it's hard. And he is promising you, just like Naomi, there is a place still waiting for you in God's people for you to come and enjoy and own. There is still an inheritance we're going to see that Naomi gets back to. But friends, the way is open. Don't wait any longer. Come and enjoy the blessings of sheltering under the wings of Yahweh. And then lastly, perhaps there's some Ruths. I've had you on my heart today. Perhaps this has just been a sort of some funny daddy religion or some sort of confusing thing about a cross and blood. And, Jesus. and you're just going, God, so much on my mind is these arguments. And I've watched these YouTube channels. And, and I've, I'm, I've got this argument of why Jesus is a fraud. And, and I'm confused. Friends, can I say to you today, if that's you, if you, if you like a Ruth saying, I don't really know what this people looks like, but I want to know. There is this amazing promise of Jesus which says, if you are willing to do the will of God, if you are willing to come under through faith in Jesus Christ to start there, then he says, you'll know whether this is true or not. And I want to encourage you this morning to come and enter into the life that Jesus bled and died for. It will take you leaving Moab but entering into the blessing of Bethlehem. And it starts with you bending the knee and saying, Lord, although there's all these things inside of me that's opposing what I, I'm hearing this morning, I'm willing to come to Jesus. I'm willing. And that's what Ruth said. She made a decision. She decided to leave what she knew so well for the offer of redemption and a life with God. Would you do that today? This is the opening call of Ruth and might be heeded by the grace of God. Let's pray. Why don't we stand together? Lord, you've heard of um, the call of Ruth today to your people. It has been handpicked for us. I just, uh, I'm going to do something different this morning. I would love to pray for those three people in the room today. And if, if you are Elimelech and in the position of facing pressure and you're just wanting to say, God, again, today, I, I want to say yes to your word and what the life of faith calls me to. Would you just put up your hand? I'm putting my, both my hands. I can't do both. But, but I just love to pray. Just say to God, this is me this morning. I can see the, the, the pressure of culture on my kids. I can feel the pressure of culture on our marriage. I can, I can see these things creeping in close. And God, I can see the bank balance. I can see these things. But Lord, I, I just want to say to you today, I trust you and your words for my life. Lord, would you just increase faith in your servants this morning, in your sons and daughters to say, this is the way I want to walk 
even in famine. Can we just say yes to God? If that's you, you think you can just, I, I'm not even opening my eyes. You just put your hands down. The other is, I just, and everyone, just keep your eyes closed. I just want you to say yes physically to God. If you've been like Naomi, and we all have, I just want you to say, God, today I hear, I, I'm saying yes to returning to Bethlehem. I, I'm giving up what I know is not pleasing to you for the, for the joy of coming under your wings. Can we just say yes if that's you today? doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for many years or just a few moments. You can say, Lord, I'm coming. I'm in this area of my life, you know what it is. You just say to God, I'm coming. I'm coming, Lord. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Lord, would you just seal this, this decision of grace and this persuasion of your word in our hearts this morning. Might we just come boldly back home, Lord, to you. And then lastly, if there's anybody here that just wants to say, God, I'm a Ruth. I, I've never heard of this salvation this way that we can come and know you so personally, so graciously. If that's you, would you put up your hand? No one's watching, not even me. Just, just, just say, God, I'm saying yes to that today. I'm saying yes, Lord. My whole life is yours. I, I might not understand it all, but I'm willing. I'm saying yes to you, Jesus. Lord, would you just move in those hearts this morning by the power of your Spirit. Lord, thank you for your message today. Thank you for the way you speak to us, even in these times. We love you for it, Lord. Amen. We are here to love you. If you want prayer, come up. If you want counsel, come up. Enjoy this time together. If you are new, there's the welcome table. If you just want to sit and respond to God, go for it. But it's been lovely to be with you, and we will see you next week.